Tonight we've got an interesting topic lined up. Um, I'm so glad I've got my panel of experts up here um, because this would be a daunting topic to um, to tackle by myself for sure. Um, but there's a theme, an interesting theme that runs through um, a, a number of these passages, which is order in the body of Christ or the um, the um, Paul talks about the gifts being used in an ordered manner. Um, and so if you came along um, expecting something different, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I promise it'll be a good topic when we get to the end of it. Um, but for, but everyone's looking at me as like, oh my goodness, we've, you know, I shouldn't have come out tonight. But I promise you that this is a really exciting and valuable topic for us to look at. Um, I think throughout the... the um, throughout the the centuries past, um, I think um, the churches flip from from one side to the other. Either church services need to be super ordered and structured; everything needs to run to a schedule, a run sheet. Everything needs to be on time. There's no room for any kind of extra expression or passion or excitement or to let things get the better of us. And so we just keep things nice and safe and quiet and locked down. And then on the other hand, you have those kind of crazy Christians who are, you know, just out there doing their thing. There's no order. There's no structure. We're just flowing in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's all, it's all good. Probably flowing and and, and other things too. Um, but actually, you know, there's and and here Paul talks about what it means to be a mature body. And actually, he looks at um, he, he talks about order and says, "Hey, there needs to be order and structure, but there also needs to be space and room." For the movement of the Holy Spirit, and Paul is into both of those things. Um, and so, us, that's what we're going to be tackling tonight: what it looks like for the gifts to operate in an ordered manner, but also what it looks like to allow the freedom and the spontaneity to allow the Holy Spirit to minister um, when He leads. So, is that cool? Very cool. All right. Thank you, Kirk, for that inspiration. Alright, so if you've got your Bible, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We've been in here a little bit. And tonight we're going to be looking at verse 26 uh, through to the end of the chapter, verse 40. Alright. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble each one of you as a psalm, has a teaching, has a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation? Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, it should be by two or at the most three, and each in turn, and one must interpret. But if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. But if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be exhorted. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. The women are to keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but it's a subject... Ah, no wolf whistling, thank you. <laughs> This is important, important stuff. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home, for it is improper for a woman to speak in the church. Was it from, uh, was it from you that the word of God first, first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize that the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. But if anyone does not recognize us, he is not recognized. Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forgive, uh, do not forbid this, uh, to speak in tongues. But all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. Interesting passage of scripture, eh? Can you can you see while it's a little bit less daunting having four <laughs> four people sitting up here than than just trying to tackle this one myself? But you hear Paul, and I, I love the way that Paul speaks. Is that he really isn't lopsided? 
He talks about the gifts and their importance. He ends at this. I'll read this last verse again. He says, Therefore, my brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, and do not forbid to speak in tongues, but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner. And so Paul is saying, guys, there needs to be freedom for these gifts to be expressed throughout the body, but just in the way that you do it, let things be done in a right, orderly way so that these gifts are empowering and edifying. They equip and build up the church of God as opposed to it just being a free-for-all um, and, um, and an environment that's not equipping or edifying to anyone. So, yeah, First Corinthians chapter 14. And the, the first question I'd like to, to pose to these um, um, guys up here is what... What is, what is so important about the gifts being used in an orderly manner? Why does there need to be order and authority and structure um, when, when we meet as the body of Christ? <laughs> don't, all, don't all rush at once. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start then. Yeah. Sorry, the woman's speaking first. <laughs> So I'd just like to take this opportunity, Sandra, there's a chair for you. No, just, you. <laughs> just kidding. To, to me, it just screams out, who is God? Um, so especially that, that verse, and I know I'm, I'm jumping down, but you did ask the question. Um, the, the thing about God is in verse 33, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And... Um, who who is he building and and who are we demonstrating um if if this if this isn't spoken and and keep in mind that Paul was speaking to uh, a church where it had got completely out of whack um and so he's having to address something and and it's very clear that he is addressing it with the authority of the Lord because he needs to and and he's being very upfront about it he's even um, you know he realizes the the heart and the spirit that's that has um, caused this and that it's not it's not the spirit of Christ it's demonic it's flesh um, that's caused the the rampant confusion and the the jealousy and the selfish ambition and all these things they're being expressed instead of Christ and um, so to me it's about um, this is this is why this is here because um, unless that's addressed it's not actually expressing Christ which is what the spiritual gifts are for there to build to build us to become more like him yeah, it's very interesting, eh? Because God is a God of order. I mean, can you imagine Genesis? On the first day, the Lord created animals. Oh, hang on. There's nowhere to put them. Can you see what I mean? God has specific plans and ways of the way he does it, you know? And, and with the Corinthian church, they, they were to the extreme, but the underlining thing when you look at the whole book of, uh, the two books of uh, Corinthians, they were really sort of really dealing with more of the flesh than the spirit. And so there was a lot of competition. There was a lot of angst between each other. No, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Paul, and I'm of this, and I'm of that. You know, Paul is tearing his hair out with these guys because they're really with the flesh. And when you get the flesh operating in these gifts, now they can still operate in the gifts, but you think of the what they're interpreting, what they're filtering, what they're bringing forth is all over the show. And when you get people competing with their gifts, and you see it in the body of Christ today, people compete to be greater than or better than this one. And it actually shuts off a lot of people who are trying to uh, you know, have the courage to speak forth. And, I mean, just looking at that very first verse, it says, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, a teaching, and a tongue, and a revelation, an interpretation. And it sounds, wow, what a church. It sounds really, really great. Imagine if we had that all operating in us here. But when you see it from the eyes of the flesh, it becomes a, a noisy gong. It becomes a clanging cymbal that it stinks. It's really out of disorder. So it's not as good as what it sounds. It's funny how we look at it 
we can look at churches in the flesh and see and go, wow. And actually we're missing what's actually happening in the spirit. What's going on there? I mean, I think it's essential that we understand God's working to a picture. And so everything he has created and does is for the purpose of his design and what's in his heart. So to me that's the why, is when you understand what God's building, like any design and any designer, there's an operating system and manual. And so everything needs to fall into place because it's in an alignment to what God is building. We don't get a say in that. We want a say, but we don't, we should never have a say in it. You know, we don't, we don't, we're, we're the creation. We're not the creator. We have to see the creator's design. And until we flow with the design, we never enter into life. And so everything is intentional. Everything he's done is for the purpose of what he's looking for. Hence, we need to be under lordship. And this is why lordship's a massive thing in the body of Christ. If you're not under lordship, then Unfortunately, you won't receive the life you were predestined for because you're not in the pattern of the instruction. You're outside of it trying to come into life through another design. And like with everything, there's only one design behind everything that's created. And so the creation doesn't tell the creator how it's going to work. So, yeah. That's cool. Even as you just... Sharing, Chris, you know, I think, um, whoa. um, like I just think of what, what order looks like in our household, you know, um, and there's, um, like if, um, you know, like you're saying about God's, even his earthly design speaks of order and authority. Because imagine if children grew to the age of two and a half, but then stopped growing and then had other kids when they were two and a half, you know. Like, um, I just imagine that everyone in our household would be wearing an Iron Man t-shirt that never got washed ever, you know? <laughs> and, you know, it's, and it's actually, this is like, and no different, no different for the, for the church of God that there needs to be structure and authority and, and a healthy environment for people to grow up and mature. Um, because at this stage, at two and a half, Levi's thoughts are not for the benefit of the whole, they're for the benefit of himself, you know? Um, and I think to me that's the essence of it, you know, that Levi's, he's a talented young man, he's gonna be even more talented when he grows up, but there's something that he doesn't have and it's a perspective that thinks of others more than himself, you know? And I think that this is what it's saying here. Um, but, you know, he says, what's the outcome, brethren? When you assemble together, each one has a psalm, a teaching, a revelation, has a tongue, has an interpretation. He's not saying, guys, if you have a revelation, a tongue, make sure that you don't say it. You know, he's saying no. He's saying, make sure that you bring it, but make sure that it's brought in a way that edifies and builds up, that adds to the whole as opposed to just brings, I don't know, glory to yourself you know? so to me that's the, the key in all of this I think verse 20 just before that we haven't read it out but it says brethren do not be children in your thinking um, yet in evil be infants but in your thinking be mature and so much of this is based on our mindset and that's crucial hence you know set your minds on the things above make sure that your mind is being renewed to the mind of Christ Otherwise, you will think contrary to God and God's design. And, um, you know, there's a way that seems right to a man because he thinks he's right. Let's be honest, we all think we're right um, until we break and we get shown we're not right. Um, but we all think we are. Um, and so this whole area of thinking must be God's mind in this whole entire area because if you are consumed in yourself... So if you find yourself thinking about you a lot and you approach this, well, that's the mindset you bring to that. You're always going to look through the lens of self. So self will interpret the scriptures. You don't allow the scriptures to interpret themselves. You interpret through the lens of self and then come up with your plan. And that's why Paul's massive on thinking. So what does it mean to be mature in thinking? Well, it's certainly not thinking about yourself. That's an immature mindset, like Sam saying, Levi thinking about himself. It's like I'm not thinking about the greater good. I'm just thinking about me and how I fit and how I benefit in this whole thing of the gifts and building myself up. 
And so Paul addresses the mind a lot, um, which is really a heart issue. And the good thing is, if you do, if you are here and you think about yourself a lot, you're in the best environment to be in, you know, because this is what family is all about, right? None of us start mature, you know. We always, we all start as immature children until we receive revelation from Christ that sets us free from ourselves and our own selfish thinking, you know. And so when you, when you hear this, this is not like, shut you down, condemn you, guys, sorry you've missed it, that's it, you can't move in the gifts, you may as well just not come back next week. That's, that's not what's, what's going on here. It's saying, hey, this is, this is all, every single person has at one stage in their life been childish in their thinking that their entire life revolved around them. And this is what it looks like for us to mature as a body is saying, yeah, that, let, let this be an environment for healthy growth, moving beyond that, you know, um, an environment where we can actually receive the implanted word that's able to save our soul and save, you know, do a transforming work on the inside of us that takes us from being self-centered to thinking about others, you know. And so that to me, that's true and genuine discipleship is actually having the opportunity to to grow up into all things in him you know you can see how so important it is that love his love is the foundation to all of this and i mean we've been uh, preaching on love since the beginning of this year and it has to really take a hold of our hearts because he is love and if he is in us then the fruit that comes out when the gifts are used it's used because he's in us He's, he's pouring out from our innermost being. And when you know love suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy. Love does not parade itself, it is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. And it goes on. So if that's the basis of the gift that God has given you and you're using it from that, man, the whole church benefits because it builds up the body in the right way. So Paul gives some examples in the scripture of healthy authority or healthy order or instructions which are here for a specific group of people, but I, I feel like we can all all learn from them, um, whether it, we're, we're following the letter that he's prescribing or more so the heartbeat that he's talking from, you know. And in verse 29 he says, Let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. Just wondering if, if anyone has any thoughts on what, what does it mean to, to pass judgment on these prophetic words that are coming? It's important to test all things. It says in John to test the spirits because when somebody, I've known people that are of a certain bent. So when they prophesy, they will prophesy what they're trying to push forward. And sometimes it can just be purely because of what their mindset is. Greg was talking before. If your mindset is set on self as your mindset, I mean, we all have filters. And unless God takes them away and we see from his perspective, we begin to prophesy his word. It's totally different from your prophesying from your own understanding because our own understanding is is darkened. (laughs) It really is. And you get a whole mixture of things. And so we need to be able to discern, is that really of God? Is that God really speaking or is it not? And I feel like, to me, this is a really healthy thing, you know, for, for two, is it two or three prophets speak and let's let the others pass judgment, you know. And I feel like in most other contexts, you just naturally do it. Like, for example, as a policy analyst, I've just written, I've just written a paper and I've had judgment cast on it from almost every angle with a whole range of different people giving their two cents and their perspective and it's it's a like 
like when people cast judgment, they actually add value, you know, they don't take away. And I feel like this is when we hear the word judgment, often we think, oh, someone's coming to, I've just stepped out and given a prophetic word and someone's like saying that I just haven't nailed, you know, like it's actually that's not, that it might be, but it's not necessarily the judgment that's going on here. And so with my with my paper that I've just written, it's taken me two months of having judgment cast on this thing and at the end of it, this paper was way better than it was when I first just wrote it by myself, you know? And so I think I I see it in the way as, um, you know, that we as a body of Christ add value to what it is that God is speaking. And I feel like there's been prophetic words given to, to this house. You know, for example, we, we know of Cindy Ruakiri's word, the people that, what is it? The people that you are today, uh, or the people that you were is not who you are, and the people that you are is not who you're becoming, you know? And I feel like that word has, it started as a word, but there's been momentum and there's been judgment in, the, in a healthy way as we've wrestled and grappled with what does that actually mean for us? And it's added a richness in a life that's far beyond just the moment when it was when it was cast, you know, and so I feel like if we're in a position where we're insecure, we would think that judgment is actually at the detriment of us. But that's why identity and what we've been looking at over the last couple of months is so important because when you when you know your identity as a son in Christ, and judgment comes, you know it's only for your edification and for the building up and the fullness of the whole, as opposed to the lack or the reputation, you know, the, the loss of reputation that, that comes to yourself. Eh? I mean, God's the perfect father, isn't he? So as, as a perfect father, he puts boundaries in place to protect us from us. And once again, he wants what he, he what is in his heart he desires to have. And so prophecy is a powerful thing. And no prophecy comes from man. And so think about that. Prophecy is a, is a word that has creative life which goes to edifying, to building what God has in his heart to see a church edified. So that's powerful. So God's that's power. And so with your words, you are powerful. So if you were to say this is from the Lord and prophesy over someone and it's not, then you can destroy someone's life. So God puts others around as a safety mechanism for the church to protect her from actually not falling over and coming into what he has for her. So that's why we all have to be teachable. So if you don't have a teachable spirit, you probably shouldn't be really operating in your gift because everyone has to be teachable because we're going to get things wrong. And so we need others to come beside us and love and say, hey, you know, and that's, that's everyone. That's me. That's every single person. You have to be teachable. So like everything, God gives us revelation. And he gives us revelation to protect ourselves. So he says, you can't come into revelation without me to protect you from you. So you don't spout stuff in my name that's not. And so, you know, can you hear, hear what I'm trying to say? So, so he gives us others. And as Pam said, who discern to go, yeah, I don't think that's actually our father. That could be you, you know, and it's this tension between not being in fear and not sitting there go, well, I'm never going to say anything again. You know, but at the same time, I have to be teachable. So that's what God does to protect us from ourselves, but also so then He can receive what He's looking for. And so the more we grow and mature in the gifts, we're open, like Sam says, to correction. And just as an example of that, with the book that I've just written, um, all the elders were part of the process of looking at that and giving me their thoughts and ideas. And, um, Sam spoke powerfully into it in some areas of the book that said I think you sound a bit angry here and I said I'm not trying to be <laughs> so he said well this is how I'm hearing it sounds a little bit like you're a little bit angry so as I looked at that together and we dialogued about that I said yeah I can see that take that out change that reword that so that's another example of it and everyone had their part in that um, to produce something that's him um, and so it's it's a beautiful protective mechanism for ourselves. I think so often um, when when this well, just like all the time when the spirit's speaking, he's he's speaking the same thing. So he's not saying something out there and then something completely, you know, 
left wing over here all all at once. He he speaks in oneness, um, and and so there is a sense of um, you know because it, it says you know that that um, uh, if a revelation is made to another who is seated, the first one must keep silent. So that doesn't mean someone stands up and says shut up because I've got the real revelation. It just means that that it's not one person rabbiting on all the time, you know, and and that that he's going to represent himself through the oneness. That's actually part of the demonstration of the nature of God, that he can be saying the same thing through two or three people, maybe in a slightly different way, but it's going to actually add to the 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 distinct that's God. You know, and it arrests the heart. That's what prophecy does. It it comes in and arrests, and it's like God's. I know the first time I heard it, heard any prophecy, it was like, oh, God's just spoken. You know what I mean? It it's awe inspiring in the in the sense that He's speaking. You know, and um, so there is that sense that that there is agreement very often, and it's agreement to what he has been speaking and it's an agreement to this so so it's not going to be outside of alignment to that so if if someone came in who maybe had no relationship with us as a family and then just suddenly got up and said i believe the rock need to be all um you know packing their bags and going to china together, you know, we are going to be thinking, okay, well, as elders, we might just take that away. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? It's going to be in alignment to what he has been speaking. And Cindy Ruakari, that you, you quoted that, all of those things in that prophetic booklet are in alignment. And that, that's a, a great, if you don't have that booklet, we, I think we have that definitely on the website anyway, and there's probably printed copies, but it's a really good thing to have a look at those because they have been given us by the Lord and it's all in agreement, um, with, with what He has been leading us on. Just sort of side note, who was here when we had that happen here? One guy came rushing in at the end of the service demanding to prophesy over the church and, um, I said we had a little chat, and I said, well, "What do you want to say?" And he said, "No, no, I need to do it in front of the church." And it's like, no, "What do you want to say?" No, I need to do it in front of the church. Oh, well, you're not doing it in front of the church. So, like, motive is really important, you know. And this is this whole thing as well. Why, you know, surrendering to others is really important. Submission, because like, why you want to do it, you know? And so we have to ask ourselves those questions, because certainly none of us want to say something that's not him, do we? And so, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, it doesn't matter if it's him or not, I just want to use this gift. No, you know. And so, you know, you're not, that man was not the authority of the house. I didn't even know who he was, but he acted like he was and wasn't interested in authority. And these are some of the key things, you know, with people, with, especially with this gifting, they think they are the Lone Ranger and they're out there. You know, I'm a prophet to the nation. Oh, yeah, good on you. You know, it's like, you know, so... We have to be aware of them as well, you know, because every man, woman should be under authority to someone. Um, once again, as a safety guard. And I think that's a really good example of an, an unhealthy context that someone's trying to operate in their gift. But imagine if we had uh, an environment where we welcome this kind of relationship with one another. It actually gives you the freedom to grow in your gift, knowing that you're not going to destroy someone's life because you're doing it in a, in a um, accountable environment, you know, like the very thing that sounds like bondage is actually freedom, you know, it's a it's a healthy environment where you can prophesy and you can even be immature in your gift and get it wrong, and yet it's not going to destroy someone because your back's not just as a lone ranger, you're, you're backed by a body, you know? Um, and so it, it facilitates growth, um, and it allows for people to make mistakes without, um, things getting too chaotic, you know? Um, and so it's like all of these, um, th- these guidelines that Paul is putting in place are not 
to put us in bondage, but to actually set the stage for freedom and, and, and for growth. You know. Does anyone have any questions before we move on in, in the passage? Questions about authority or order or um, prophecy or anything we've talked about? No questions. Nailed it. No, not even from Nick. No. <laughs> All right, cool. All right, should we move on? This is potentially the hot topic for the night. Um, <laughs> I knew you guys were waiting. <laughs> Everyone is holding back their questions for this next passage. Um, <laughs> Um, but I don't think it should be the hot topic for the night because I think if we were to actually to understand what was going on here, that we, it, we wouldn't get any more worked up about this than we would the verses before, because they're actually saying the same thing. They're just saying that 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 when we meet together, things need to be done in an orderly fashion. And so Paul is talking um, talking here to a specific group of people where things had gotten slightly out of order. And in this context and in his particular way, he's bringing, um, um, bringing a word, not of angry judgment, but of healthy correction um, to help the church grow. So, um, Sandra, I wonder if you wanted to... to <laughs> Um, to kick us off, and what, um, when, you know, what what is Paul talking about here when he talks about um, um, woman in the church, and what's he saying, and what what's he not saying? <laughs> the sense I get is that some really strange stuff has been going on, and there's there's a sense of interruption happening in the flow of of what God might be doing and for for what I think is he's he like I said before he's he's talking to a group of people where things I think they have kind of taken the gifts of the Lord without knowing the why and without knowing who they are and who they're representing and they they were letting lots of things go and in fact they were um, kind of exulting in their freedom so there there's you know I, in in this community they had you know there's a passage that says you know someone has his um, father's wife and you're all glorying in it how is this you know how how is this that such immorality has been so so embraced and I would put a lot of what's been happening here he, he talks about in a, um, uh, I think it's earlier about coming together and he's talking about these love feasts and some people are gorging themselves and getting drunk and other people are not having anything to eat. So there's no love, there's no there's nothing of the the very purpose for why we would come together to be built like him. It's all in disarray. And and so you know when he's talking about the women I think he's he's talking within that context. But he's also I think we have to be mindful of the fact that that there is this picture of the bride of Christ that is always in submission to Christ. And so for women to be you know the, the representing him wrongly in this way is highly significant in for that reason as well. That's a start. I think also you have to realize that what the, you know, what eyes we see it through too. I mean, God wasn't against women. I mean, you've got prophets in the Bible. You've got Deborah, who was a judge who led Israel, who was a prophet. You've got Anna, who was a prophet at the time of Jesus as being a baby. You know, God's not against, you know, women in leadership. Some of the big questions that I, I see that, um, in a lot of churches, it's the women that are actually stepping up. And there's a void in a lot of the men. Where are the men? You know, 
you know, uh, and when you see um, the passage in Ephesians, uh, it talks about wives being submissive to your husbands and so forth. But if you read that just as a law, you miss it. But when you read it in context of the bride, as Sandra was saying, suddenly you see it totally differently. Because actually everything works beautifully together uh, when it comes, when everything fits together. But it's not a matter of law. It's not a matter of, of, of religious, um, rigid, you know, yeah, dogmatic, yeah. It's actually there is a, a real freedom in life when everybody comes together and flows. But, you know, we've got to be able to see things that God's not against women doing leadership roles, and we have women in leadership roles here, and we believe that's important. But uh, in a lot of places, men, are they praying for their families? You have to ask that. You know, they're meant to be the head of the house or head of the home, but the first thing is, are they praying for their families? Where are they? I just think, um, this passage is wrought in tension. And it's interesting when you go and look and, you know, see what theologians say about this passage. No one really lands the plane on any particular view. Um, and that's interesting because we don't like that. We like to land the plane and lock it down, shut it down and get off the plane. And, um, I'd love to speak to Paul and say, Paul, what what did you actually mean when you wrote this? Um, because this has caused so many fractions in the body of Christ. I mean, there are churches that don't have women speak because of these passages. Um, it's interesting. He, he you know he uses the word he a lot, not they. Um, but if there is no interpreter, he must keep silent in the church. So you do see this word he. Um, now I haven't looked, is that, what does that mean? Is that he, she? Or is it he? Um, but I, I, I actually don't want to comment because I don't have revelation on this. Um, and I think it's interesting and I think you know it's maybe something to go digging into and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal. Because... Um, you know, as, as these guys have been saying, God's not against women leaders. I mean, that's quite obvious. But I think there is something in here to go digging after. Um, what I do know, and don't shoot me for this, but there is nothing worse than a woman who is in leadership who isn't under submission. And the Jezebel spirit is probably one of the ugliest spirits I've had to come up in front of in the body of Christ. And I think there's something in this about that as well, where women get ahead of themselves, and it could be because the male is asleep. And that means the male has to step up, because in that there can be a warped version that we fall into. And... um it's that thing, and I've seen that. I've seen women grab hold of leadership because men aren't leading, and then you come up as a male of authority, and man, it's World War Three, and it's on. And that's an ugly aspect of, I think he's addressing some of this within here, that we have to be careful of. Um, and just to reiterate, a male should serve and lift up. So that's not this dominating over the top lording over a male leader is a servant leader who serves and lifts up so um, that's all I want to say about that cool there's an interesting passage eh? and I think um, just like with anything um, I, I think you can't just pluck one passage out of the bible and just let that stand and let that be because if you do you know there's so there's so many examples of like Greg was saying that the, the tightrope or the tension that the scriptures are written in you know honor your father and mother if you're not prepared to leave your mother and father you're not worthy of me now if you if you pluck one of those and you know and use it in the wrong you, you know you can they're two almost opposing scriptures which one is right well, they're both right, but you need to have revelation by the Holy Spirit to know how to operate in in both of those and um, 
to be able to live from genuine wisdom, which is Christ in you in each given situation. Hey, you know, um, if if we were just taking one scripture at a time, we should really be being eunuchs. I don't know if you guys have read Matthew 19. We should also not be married. Um, and there's so there's you know Paul encourages. It says better not to marry. So you see what I'm saying? We've and and all of these things. If you wisdom. just take. <laughs> If you just take one, but you don't actually, this is to me a classic example of we need to know the the word that lies beyond the words, you know, um, because if we just take the word, like Greg says, it will absolutely cause division because what I think will be pitched against what you think, and all of a sudden we're in, we're fighting against each other as opposed to this oneness that Sandra talked about before where we understand the heartbeat of God and can receive a word like this and have it genuinely applied to us by the Holy Spirit and not by our own understanding, you know. And so um, I think like Greg was saying, there is something really pivotal about the issue of authority. And it's not just the authority of a husband and a wife, although that is a really clear and good example. It's authority in any context, you know, and like the context... Um, that we've been reading through tonight in First Corinthians 14, it's all about authority, you know. There's authority in discipleship group. There's authority at work, you know, um, where there's a time in, in our discipleship group where uh, I was quite new as being the as being the group leader and being a leader was something I really needed to, to step into and we had some really strong personalities in the group at the time who were really dominating the conversation and it at a time, it maybe I almost kind of stepped back in a little bit. And I remember talking with Tess in the evening, and um, you know, after this had gone on, and she said, "Hey, she said, if you don't lead this group, someone else will, and they are, you know." And it was enough for me to be like, "Cool, I I need to be the leader here." And eventually, this person left because they weren't prepared to play, to be in submission and come under. And so I think authority is so key in, in every context because, like we've talked about, it keeps everyone safe, you know. And so, like we're, we're looking at here, Paul is talking to a particular group of people where, like Sandra said, things had gotten out of order. Where some people think maybe that it was that the um, that the men were sharing and the women or the the, the wives are, uh, the, the husbands were sharing and the wife, their own wives were contradicting what they were saying we don't know exactly what it was that were, what that was going on but we know that there was a lack of submission to authority that was hindering the growth of the whole and i think to me um, whether it's husbands and wives or whether it's in discipleship groups or, or where, wherever it, wherever it is authority is is what keeps things healthy and safe um, and keeps these environments being um, fertile for for growth and transformation as opposed to someone's own ego or own agenda you know um, so yeah I guess that's that's our thoughts on it and does anyone have any anything else said um, just just to add to that um, because I I, um, I don't know what you guys think about this but when I read verse um, 36. I used to think that that was a, attached to the women thing, but um, I actually think it's just addressing this particular community. So was it from you, Corinthian Church, that the word of God first went forth, or has it come to you only? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or spiritual, let him recognize the things which I write to you are the Lord's commandment. And for me, that is... He is actually pulling his authority card as, as the, the apostle through whom the, the word came to this group. And, and he's, he's saying, you know, did you, did you discover the word of God by yourself? Or did it come through someone? Um, are, are you going to just say, no, we've got it all together and we don't need you, Paul, now? Um, but I'm coming in as as the one through whom the Lord actually spoke in the first in the first instant instant, and um, I'm I, I'm aware that some of you are going to think, well, I'm a prophet and I'm spiritual, so I'm not going to listen to this this letter that who's this man Paul speaking like this to us? 
but he's he's actually speaking as that one who has been overseeing and is needing to bring a word that is correcting th- this very thinking that um, is is happening and he is speaking what the Lord is needing to say to them at this time. So um, I thought that was, again, you know, it is this issue of being able to come under submission and and he he's talking about if anyone's not recognizing that this word that I'm giving you now as I'm writing is coming from the Lord then then you need to be careful not to follow that because the Lord really is speaking and he really needs to come in this in this time and you you see you know what resulted out of this letter in the next letter um, which is really cool because they did they were very eager to say no no that's not what we are this is you know and they were repenting and they were bringing some things in into order as a result of this which is really good and i think it's essential because these kind of scriptures pop up all throughout the bible not just about men and women but all sorts of things that make you go hmm? you know um and i think if if you come across scriptures that seem like they make you small or condemning or you know I think the, the likelihood is if you if you read them and you go there you've probably read them wrong you know um, and so like Greeks would say there's a, there's an there's always an opportunity to ask the why what what lies behind that knowing that the gospel ultimately brings freedom in life you know so I feel like there's an opportunity for all of us here to to do some digging and to to ask those questions I think God also uses these types of things to test our hearts to see if there's love there because you know we're so right or wrong and there is a there is only one truth you know so there is a truth that sits behind this so I'm not saying there's not but also God uses these types of tensions of the truths to test us and this is why you've got so much division in the body because man says, I want to be right and I am right and you are wrong. So we can no longer walk together in oneness, which is actually the point. And so we actually fail the test because the goal is oneness in spirit, not being right or wrong. And if you commit to oneness in spirit, guess what? The answer will be revealed. But the answer is not the point. Oneness in spirit is. And we get hoodwinked, see? God's watching and so Um, I'd really like to allow some time for questions and groups tonight Um, but does anyone have any burning questions on um, on that that they'd like to ask no questions guys I got one Um, who can tell me what the rocks What's the right word? Uh, way is on people speaking in a gathering. So if you had a prophetic word, what would be the process be in sharing that word? Yes. Yes. What else? So is that the only one? Okay. Rodney Blyde answered (laughs) bring it to an elder first so that is correct but what's the other side of that yeah what what, what actually does happen on a Sunday morning because this happens quite a bit Mm -hmm. the spirit to reveal to us whether this is something to be shared now whether it's something for you whether it's something for the body needs to be shared from up the front we're asking these questions of the spirit so that before we even 
go up to an elder and ask about it, we're not relying on them to just discern whether this is something that needs to be given or not. We've actually gone through the process of discerning in the spirit whether this is something to be bought because I know God like you know God revealed something to me today, but it wasn't something for the body, it was something for me personally and to reveal something to me. So I could have got excited about that, which I did, but then I could have wanted to share that because I'm excited about it and so excitement would draw me up rather than actually the spirit leading me up to the front to share. So, yeah, it's discerning whether it needs to be shared or whether it does not need to be shared from the front. Sure, cool. Um, I want to add to that so I don't forget this. So what would happen or what's the process if you've got this burning word on your heart and you believe it's to be spoken from the front with the microphone and the elder says, I don't think so today? What would be a response that's healthy? (laughs) <laughs> sure yep yep I actually think that's a fantastic answer you know because I think you could either go one of two ways which is get all huffy and insecure you know um or, or you can hear what someone has said and, you know, if you're unsure, totally ask the question afterwards, you know, because that's like, like we've been talking about. This is all about all of our growth, you know. Um, and so there's no, there's no loss in that, eh? you know, so, so definitely. And if you don't, if you didn't go up, you might have actually genuinely felt like you were led by the Lord, but what God might have been doing was actually in you and he wanted to, you know, unpack something in a conversation afterwards that, uh, who knows? You, you don't know what's um, what it is. We're responsible for being obedient, and that obedience sometimes looks like being in submission. You know, so I think great answer, Kate. I think there are times too where it's not that the word's wrong; it's just the timing. You know, and and so that there there is um, there is a sense that is the time right for this, or is this now going to interrupt? What's happening there, and that's to do with you know the the spur of the of the prophet is subject to the prophet, so it's not like oh I've got it now so I've got to. It's like well, this is the learning and wisdom and and walking in submission to each other that um, that is part of being a body, an organic mechanism that works as one. It's not just the fingers got something that it really wants to play the piano there right now you know when when holy spirit is doing something else you know um and i think just to add to this so that we're talking about prophetic words when we're talking about coming up to the elder but but it says in ephesians 5 um so then do not be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ God even the Father and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And while we can say, oh, that's just everyday living, it's also within the community and, and within a service. So I just, uh, we were, Jay and I were talking, um, just earlier and the, the delight of the Holy Spirit when he finds people that will, will just bring out their, their worship and their praise and, and not be afraid. You know, and, and to have that, that doesn't all have to go through, uh, you know, we have people that will pray out, um, within a service or they'll start singing a song and it, you know, that, that's part of us growing and, and being able to participate. Um, and that certainly was in Corinthians as well. And, and like we said before, it doesn't mean that all of that's wrong and no one must ever speak. Um, so you know, there's there's the walking it out and the being subject to one another, learning, growing, having this this environment where we can actually grow up and be mature and and hear him and move in in, in the flow of what the Holy Spirit's doing within the order. 
And there are times too that when you do have a uh, have a word from the Lord, you know, if it's truly from the word uh, from the Lord, then you can sit on it, you can wait, and He will bring it back to remembrance to you. Like that and often if it's not, it'll just disappear. But God will rest and, and it'll lay it on, lay him, you know, He will lay it on your heart to speak it, and uh, then you can share it with someone. But uh, yeah, talk it over with someone. That's the best way. And I think the cool thing is as well is like, you know, if if you if you do have something and you and you know God wants to say it, but the elder says no, not now, then the responsibility is now off you. So he's asked you to go to an elder and share it. You've done that, so you can leave it there, and there's no fighting over it being done. Um, it's a bit like tithing; your money's given, it's gone. Do you know what I mean? It's not what what happens to it, what they do with it. It's none, actually none of your business. Um, it's between the person and the Lord because now the person is accountable. So then you can release it, and once again, this tests the agenda of the heart. Do you know what I mean? So it actually wants you free. And um, as Sandra has been saying, the tension is, you know, we want a church operating in their gifts. And that is highly risky when you uh, create this environment. But that's what Jesus did. He created a high-risk environment. He sent them out. <laughs> and uh, Because ultimately what this is is God's in control, isn't it? And so this is, again, it's always a deeper work than what he's trying to do in our hearts than what we think he's trying to do. And so within this environment, like Sandra's saying, you know, the process is the things he's putting on your heart, share. You know, it's that freedom to share whenever, wherever, tonight. And we want that. We encourage that. Um, but, you know, when you grab this thing, there's a greater accountability because what you're saying is the Lord is saying this. And so the accountability level goes up a few notches. And as elders, we need to protect the sheep and protect the flock, just like if that guy walks in and demands the same thing, you know. And so obviously we know certain people here more than we know others. We've got deeper fellowship with others. And so sometimes it's like, sure, you know, if any of these guys come and myself say, hey, I know I've heard from the Lord, we don't go, oh, what is it? Because we're one, you know. But there's just... I guess degrees of responsibility, degrees of maturity. So we're not trying to be horrible. We're trying to protect and help um, and edify the church for everyone's sake. Um, but there is added accountability. If you're going to come up with a mic and declare it over the church, you know, um, it's just not willy-nilly. So, Totally. And I think the reason why we're doing this is because we want to see us as a body actually step into this more you know and be empowered to be able to bring a word of, of prophecy for the body because we need it you know we we need the gift of prophecy we need one another and we're all richer and greater when everyone is bold enough to to play their role well you know so that's from our perspective the whole purpose of all of this is because we see this as being a really valuable and important thing all of the gifts we see as being valuable and important and we want to encourage and really create an environment here where everyone is free to be able to um you know to step out in a um in a good way you know so discipleship groups are a great place to to you know um start moving you know it's it's um a, a smaller group and um, you're, you're walking in a place where, like, you know, if you're way off, well, <laughs> you know, you can walk together in it. Um, and you can, I think, um, it's just to keep it in mind, like, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? You know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father, you know? And that's every word, every word that's in here. Every word that he's illuminating, are we hearing him? Are we leaning in to hear him? Um, because we, the, we are, we are children of the Father and we've been born by the Spirit. So to walk by the Spirit is the way of life. Um, so yeah, I just encourage us to, it's, it's all part of living by the Spirit and not living by the flesh is to, to be leaning into all this. Cool. So next week, uh, we get, like I was saying at the beginning, we're going to be looking at the gift of prophecy. Um, don't worry, we're not going to force you to prophesy if you don't want to next week. <laughs> um, we're going to be unpacking it, and um, I've asked 
um, the guys on the panel to give some to come ready with some examples of um, times where the gift of prophecy has been really influential in their lives. Maybe they've received a um, a word from someone else, um, a, a personal word that has that has encouraged or inspired them, or maybe a word that's been for the body that they've spoken. So um, we're going to be sharing on, on that next week. I'd, I'd really encourage you guys to, to come and, um, and listen and participate, and I think it's going to be really good. So cool. So we've got about um, 20 minutes or so um, um, and some questions. I'm not sure. Did, did, did you print it out? Did you print that? Oh, sweet. They're on the board there. Um, so in your groups... 20 minutes, um, get into these and um, yeah, thank you.